0: Salvation by faith, judgment by works. The moment we hear the word judgment, we think, you know, God will be waiting for us till the last breath of our life and then we'll go and stand before him. Then he will say, you go this place, you go that way. That's our understanding about judgment. But the Bible clearly says, even before the foundations of the earth were laid, God knew who is going to accept him as a savior or not. So, judgment is not the way we think or the way the modern courts, they declare on the, you know, the judgment day, they will pronounce the judgment. You know, you are, you are sentenced as guilty, not guilty, acquitted. If this is the idea of judgment we have, probably the biblical way of judgment is different. And that's what Paul says salvation by faith, judgment by works. You know, God in his mercy has revealed to us there will be judgment. You know, if God has revealed it to us, it is for our good. Whatever God has revealed, it is for our good. And when God says there will be judgment, it is for our good. And we need to be very clear about it. And this judgment should not come as a shock and surprise. As children of God, when we stand before God, we should not say that, oh my goodness, I didn't know that. Because Bible is very clear. You know, right from the beginning, God talks about judgment. In, in Isaiah 3, 10 to 11, it says, tell the righteous it, it will be well with them, for they will enjoy the fruit of their deeds. Oh, to the wicked disaster is upon them they will be paid back for what their hands have done let's go to jeremiah 1710 it says i the lord search the heart and examine the mind to reward each person according to their conduct according to what their deeds deserve let's go To Jesus Matthew chapter 16 27 for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they have done Revelation chapter 20 11 to 13 last book of the Bible then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it and dead and heads gave up the dead, That were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. I didn't give, there are many more references in the Bible. All I wanted to say is, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, they speak about judgment based on our deeds. The good news is, God wants to reward each one of us generously If we obey the word of God and always seek to give him glory and honor in all that we do. God is not a miserly God. He is not a miser. God wants to reward us generously provided we are aware and we do things that will bring glory and honor to him. Let's rise to our feet for the scripture reading taken from the letter to the Romans, chapter 2, verse 1 to 16. Letter to the Romans, chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. Romans, chapter 2, verses 1 to 16. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when his righteous judgment will be revealed. God will give to each person according to what he has done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble And distress for every human being who does evil first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. And all who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though They do not have the law. Since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences also bearing witness and their thoughts now accusing, now even defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. This is God's word. Kindly be seated. The passage appears to be very simple and straightforward. It embraces several truths in it that there is always a scope for misinterpreting if we don't study it carefully. You know, we have already seen that both the Old Testament and the New Testament teachers that judgment is by works. Judgment is by works and salvation is by faith. You know, in this passage, Paul is not talking about the basis for our salvation. Rather, what he is talking about is the basis for judgment. In other words, he is discussing the evidences of salvation, not the means of it. If I am saved, Paul is saying that there has to be evidence that you are saved. That's what he's talking in this passage. So let's look at some of the truths from this passage. The first thing we should know is we are saved by faith and judged by works. We are saved by faith and judged by works. By words. When we stand before the creator God on the last day for his judgmental w- verdict, what will, the, what will be the basis for his judgment? On what basis God will judge us? Paul's answer is quite surprising in this passage. He is saying we will be judged not on the basis of whether we have received Christ or not. Paul is saying we will be judged not on the basis of whether we have received Christ or not. Instead, God will repay each person according to what he or she has done. Salvation is by faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is very clear about it. He is talking about judgment. And in the judgment he says, it's not that God doesn't know we have accepted or not. The judgment day will be basically to reward us. And that reward will be based on our deeds. Paul is very clear about it. You know, some things. Christians, as they read the letter to the Romans, they ask, has Paul all of a sudden changed his mind? Because we all know in chapter 1, 16 and 17, he said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. We have seen that. And he he said that, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, Your righteousness, that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, does Paul teach us that we must add works to our faith to be saved? No. Paul is not teaching that. Paul is not saying that we will be saved by our works. Paul is not saying that you have to do something to be saved. No, Paul is not teaching that. He is not teaching that. If he's not teaching that, why does Paul say so in this particular passage? You know, Paul has not at all changed his mind on what basis we say that. First, Paul is not contradicting himself because in chapter 1 16 and 17, he said, You know, for the gospel is the power of God. For the salvation of everyone. He is not changing what he has said in chapter 1. You now, what Paul is saying. Though salvation is by faith. Judgment will be according to works. The day of judgment will be on public occasion. It's like you know your student has appeared for the exam. Waiting for the final day. The result. And the student is waiting. It's a public event. You know, you have scored, secured so many marks. And Paul says, judgment is going to be like that. Judgment is not about have you passed or failed. Judgment is about what have you secured. That's, that's what Paul says in this letter. Because God is constantly is in the process of shifting, And judging us. Right now it's happening. Right now. Right now. You know it's not that God has to wait till the last time. It's happening. Right now God is seated on the throne. And he is shifting and judging us right now. Right now it's happening. It's happening. So the final day is just about judgment. So Paul is not at all contradicting himself. Paul is a brilliant theologian is brilliant. He's brilliant par excellence. We need to take time to understand what he's saying. So he's not contradicting himself. He is not saying salvation is by works. Salvation is by faith in Christ Jesus. Let that be very clear to all of us. We are saved not by our merit, by, but by grace. God in his grace has saved us. But judgment will be according to our deeds. The second reason... Why we say that Paul has not changed his mind is Paul in this particular passage is quoting from Psalm chapter 62 verse 12. And he says surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. So Paul is basically quoting this verse Psalm 62 12 in Romans chapter 2 6 he says surely he will reward each person according to what he has done. So if you go back to Psalm chapter 62 and we study what this past psalm is uh, talking about, we find it's quite illuminating because in this particular psalm, the psalmist is talking about two groups of people. He's talking about two groups and one group is plotting against God's chosen king. Uh, In Psalm 62, 3 and 4, he says, How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down? This leaning wall, this tottering friends, they fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. So there are two groups of people. One group is trying to plot against the chosen king. And Paul is telling that one group of people that he described in Romans chapter 2, one to three are like them. That's what Paul is telling. But there is the other group. The other group, they rest in God alone. There are two groups in Psalm 62. The other group rests in God alone because they say salvation comes from him. That's the other group. And Paul says, in, and the psalmist says in Psalm 62, verses 1 and 7, he says, My soul finds rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. What Paul is telling is, you know, they say, Salvation comes from God, and once they say that salvation has come from God, they make God as their rock, they make God as their center. This group, the second group, is they say, everything I have received from God, God is my everything. It is not on my strength, it is not on my merit, God is God in everything I do, in everything I think and in everything I desire, God is God. That's the other group. So Paul is telling this group, the Psalmist is telling this group will be rewarded according to their deeds. That's what Paul is telling. You know, Paul is talking about two different groups. One is Gentile, we saw in Romans chapter 1. And in Romans chapter 2, he is talking to the Jewish people. He says, irreligious people will also be judged. Religious people will also be judged. Paul is basically saying, your religion is not going to save you. Your religion is not going to reward you. That's what he's saying in Romans chapter 2. Because Paul has already said that you are idolatrous people. You know, you are religious. But your idolatrous, we saw last Sunday, Romans chapter 2, verse 5, we saw that. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. I was telling you about in Hebrew Septuagint, this stubbornness and unrepentant heart means an idolatrous heart. Anytime... We displace God with our career, with our spouse, with our children, with our achievement, with our accomplishment. We have an idol in our heart. That's what Paul is telling the religious people. Paul is telling the Jewish people, anytime you think by your merits, you are so religious, you are so pious. By doing this, you think you will be rewarded. Remember, you are having an idol in your heart. So Paul says... You are trying to seek honor for yourself. Both the irreligious people, the Gentile peoples in Romans chapter 1, because they suppress the knowledge of God and they seek honor for themselves. They themselves create God for themselves. And in chapter 2, because of their religiosity, they feel they can earn reward. And Paul says not possible. So the third reason Paul is saying is that works matter. Works matter not as the basis of salvation but as evidence that someone has the faith that saves. To be saved, Jesus Christ alone is enough. To be saved, Jesus Christ alone is enough. But to be rewarded, that's not enough. That's more than that. Paul says, for to be judged works matter works matter. That's what Paul says. On the day when God is going to reward us, he is going to reward us, where He's going to judge us based on our works. So Paul says, works matter not as the basis for salvation, but as the evidence that someone has the faith that saves. A saving faith will always result in doing good. A saving faith will always result in doing good. So that's what Paul says. In, in Psalm chapter 62, if you have seen, Paul is talking about the two groups. One group, basically their relationship with God is so, it is so intimate. They call their God, you are my rock. You are my salvation. Their relationship with God is so personal. And so intimate. And Paul says they will be rewarded according to their deeds. That's what he says in, uh, in this chapter too. Because in, and then there is the other group, Paul is describe, the psalmist is describing in Psalm 62 chapter 10, he says, Do not trust in extortion or take pride in stolen goods. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. other group feels we are also managing our life we know how to run our life we have enough money we have designation, we have property we know how to run our life Paul says don't become like that group don't become like that group because good works will always show we have saving faith if we are genuinely saved good works will automatically happen. The result of good works a good, genuine faith genuine salvation is good works. Let me put it in the other way. We go and see a mango tree. There are mangoes nice mangoes on the tree, so we say this tree is alive, am I right? But the fruits in itself cannot give life to the tree. The fruits in itself cannot give life to the tree because there are mango, because there are mangoes in the tree we say the tree is alive. So what gives life to the tree? The roots. So salvation is like the root. If we are saved in Christ, the mango tree has to bear fruit. If there are really there are root, our root is in, in Christ and if there are roots in the tree, the tree will produce fruit. Is there any doubt? And we will be judged based on the fruits. Being in Christ, we can never be unproductive. Being in Christ, we can never be unproductive. We can never be useless people in this world. We will always be a blessing. Wherever God has placed you and me, we will be a blessing when we are rooted in Christ. There will be fruits. The deeper our roots are, more the fruits will be. We don't have to try to produce fruits. We have to try to have that intimate relationship with Jesus. Fruits are the result of that. That's what Paul is saying. And based on those fruits, we will be judged. In other words, the deeper our relationship with Jesus, the fruits will be there. We don't have to worry whether I'm producing fruit. We need to worry whether my relationship with Jesus is deep enough so that when I stand before God, I will be rewarded generously by God. That's what Paul says. So we should not misread Paul and then say, you know, I'll be judged by works. We should not misread Paul. Paul is not saying, salvation, you are saved by works. No, Paul is not saying that. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ but we'll be judged based on the fruits if the roots are in Christ if the roots are good after all Christ he said abide in me so that I can also abide in you no fruit no tree can bear fruit uh, bear fruit on its own so if we are in Christ why should we be scared whether i am producing fruit or not If we are truly in Christ, we will produce fruit. What we need to worry or what we need to be concerned about is, am I deeply rooted in Christ? Am I deeply rooted in Christ? That's what should be our concern. If the works of our hands are not being changed, and informed by the faith we profess to have. Whatever work you might be doing, you may be a software engineer, you may be a teacher, you may be a doctor, you may be a pastor, you may be a housewife, whatever whatever may be the profession. If the works of our hands are not being changed and informed by the faith we profess to have, it is right to ask, whether our faith is genuine or not. If, in other words, in your workplace, if you are not affected by your faith, the way you work, the way you deal with others, if faith is not playing any role in it, then that faith is not genuine faith. In your relationship, as husband and wife, as father to your children if if that faith is not playing a role in that then the faith is not genuine Th- these are the words from the bible these are not my words sometimes we don't like to he- hear these words but these are true words this is in the bible that's what we then, the, then, you know, even in Hebrews, if you if read carefully, it will say things that accompany salvation. You know, we are saved, we are saved without doing anything. Just believing in God, we are saved. But, but we, when we are growing, we should not remain there. There are things that accompany salvation. We should be careful about that. If you want to read, you can go and read Hebrews chapter 6, 9, uh, later at home. Now, how can we know that our faith is genuine? How can we know whether my faith is genuine? And Paul gives the answer. He says there are two tests. In Romans 2, 7 he says, To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Paul is giving two tests to say that whether our our faith is genuine or not. It is not just by taking the name of Jesus our faith is genuine. Paul says the first test is persistence in doing good. We have to persist in doing good or in other words in leading a godly life we have to persist. We have to persevere in leading a godly life. Salvation is not a one-time event. It's a constant event. It continues day after day after day. It's not a one-time event. I have accepted, bye-bye. That is not salvation. Salvation is a lifelong journey. And it, you persist and you lead. we lead a godly life. That's number one test for genuine faith. The second test is we seek glory, honor, and immortality. You know, all this refer to qualities that come from God. Glory, honor, immortality, all these qualities they come from God and we can find these qualities when we have that relationship with God. The person who is right when he, does, when, he's, when he has genuine faith, he does good things, not just for the sake of doing good things, but for the sake of giving glory to God. That's why he does good things. In other words, he, the moment you are saved, the moment I am saved, uh, my desire is to be that my character also should become like God. That's why I seek glory, honor and good. When I say glory, honor and good, All human beings are wired to enjoy glory, honor. Am I right? Uh, we, We all try to receive some glory and honor. There's nothing wrong. Because God has inbuilt that desire in each one of us to seek glory and honor. Now where do we go wrong? where we go wrong is we are we are supposed to seek glory and honor from god instead of seeking glory and honor from god we try to seek it we try to receive it from created things what may, what will my wife say hey i'm doing so much why can't you have a, why can't you say a word of appreciation see i'm trying to seek glory and honor from created things in my job Oh, they should appreciate. You know, it's not that I work whether my manager appreciates or not. I am working for God. My God should be glorified. That is genuine faith. Everybody got promotion. Why not me? You will not get promotion because you you didn't work for the manager. You worked for God. God will reward you at the right time. That's what's known as seeking glory and honor from God. But the human uh, thing is, we always look for them in created things, not the creator. If you have worked for 10 years, 20 years, it's, it's, it's good for us to ask ourselves, have I really glorified God in and through my profession? Unless you are in an illegal job, which no one is, in every job, wherever you are, you are supposed to glorify God. You may be a homemaker, you may be a teacher, you may be just doing ordinary mundane things but if you can't glorify God in the mundane things there's something wrong with our salvation. With our faith itself there's something wrong. We do things because we will be noticed, we'll be appreciated. If somebody doesn't appreciate us we feel bad because we have worked for the person not for God. If we work for God criticism lack of appreciation is not going to accept uh, uh, is not going to affect us our productivity will always remain high whether we get a commendation card or not because we are working for god that that's why paul says the faith is genuine and paul says god will give eternal life to those who seek in knowing him now how can we know that our faith is not genuine. I said, how can we know our faith is genuine? I said, we should persevere in godly life and seek glory and honor. How do we know my faith is not genuine? And Paul gives an answer in Romans chapter 2. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Again, he is giving two tests. They are self-seeking. They are self-centered people. The first thing is They are self-centered. In everything they do, they are thinking about their own interest. So if we are doing that kind of, if we are leading that kind of life, then our faith is not genuine. Jesus Christ said, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. So if we are self-centered in everything we do, then our faith is not genuine. We do things... So that we will be appreciated. We do things so that I will be benefited. I do this, I scratch your back, you scratch my back. Faith is not genuine if you have that kind of approach. And both religious and irreligious people, they do this. Self-centered people. We can be religious but still be self-centered. The second test that he gives is reject the truth and follow evil, reject the truth and follow evil you know this is a group of people who lack the spirit of teachability, you cannot teach because they know they know the law of God and they say that we know you, the customs and traditions will take priority over the law of God so, if we, if we religious people follow this trend, Paul will be addressing in this book, religious people. He's talking to the religious group of people, Jews, who were religious, who are following their traditions and customs. And Jesus, quite often he encountered the Pharisees and said, you have lifted up your traditions and customs above the word of God. So, if, if that is the group Paul says, you really don't have genuine truth. You know, we should be ready to submit everything, our every conviction, our our belief. We should bring it under the word of God. When do we ha- truly have the understanding of the word of God? Richard Rohr, breathing under the water in his book, he writes, "When do we really say, you know, we say, God, give me the understanding to study, to know Your word?" He says. We understand something when we come under that and stand. If you want to understand the Word of God, we come and stand under the Word, and then only we receive the understanding. Not our customs, not our traditions. I'm not saying all are bad, but we need to come under the Word of God, and the Word of God should teach us. Then only we can have genuine faith. So we are saved by faith, but we are judged by works. The second thing Paul says is God does not show favoritism. If you see if you see verses nine and ten, he's basically t- repeating the teachings that are there in verses seven and ten. The only thing, the difference, uh, he, the only phrase he adds is twice he says first for the Jew. Then for the Gentiles. Then he says, God does not show favoritism. Judgment will be impartial. When we stand before God, we don't have to worry to which denomination we belong to. A ag denomination will not give you more rewards. It is not the denomination which will give us rewards. Or it's not because I was born in such and such a family, so I'll be rewarded. I'm a Jew, so I'll be rewarded. Paul says, No favoritism from God. What matters is not who we are, but what we do. What matters is not our family, our cultural background, Jewish, Christian, church-going, and not church-going, and so on. But how we decide to relate to God. It's on our relationship with God that will decide our judgment. Paul is giving a warning in this letter. You know, first he says, for those who know what God commands and they don't obey Him, they'll be judged by the law. If you know the word of God and if you don't obey the word of God, you will be judged by the law. That's what Paul says. We will be judged by the law. Because in Romans 2.13 he says, for it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law will be declared righteous so just knowing the word of god is not going to help us it is our obedience that will that will determine our judgment to what extent we obey the word of god paul says we need to obey the word of god paul says we all have an inbuilt sense of knowing right and wrong we all have even the child knows even the little child knows when the child is doing something wrong or right. Just from the facial expressions you can make out, the child feels that there is something wrong. So it is all inbuilt in human body. It's in, in our human, every human being knows what I'm doing is right or wrong. But Paul says we suppress that knowledge, we suppress the standard of God. You know, let's. Whenever we want to suppress God's standard, that means it's the, the danger point is because we want to do something else. We struggle to follow God's standard because we want to do something else. So we don't want to follow God's standard, we rather want to follow our standard. People around us will be dictating what that person will say. So whenever we struggle, when do we suppress the knowledge of God and His standard? Even religious, even church-going people, we will be tempted and we will have faced these trials and temptations always to suppress. Not always, quite often or many a time or sometimes we will have this temptation of suppressing God's standard or lowering God's standard. Whenever the temptation comes, we need to ask, OK, I'm lowering this standard what my heart wants to do. My heart wants to do what I want to do. That's my idol. That's my idol. And Paul says, we will be judged based on that. We hear a voice within ourselves what you are doing is not right. We say, you keep quiet. I know what's right. And Paul says, you will be judged based on that. God God will not show any favoritism. Whether he's a pastor or a prophet, doesn't matter. Ordinary believer, all of us stand on the same ground. God will be impartial in his judgment. You know, that's why the psalmist will say, don't show favoritism to poor people while you are judging. Just because you want to become like God, don't show favoritism. If you are judging, you have to be impartial and God alone is impartial. And he will judge us rightly. The third thing he says is, no wrath, no cross. If there is no judgment, there is no cross. Why does Paul say so? Paul says, judgment will take place on the day God will judge. And when God is going to judge us, he is going to take men's secrets into account. In other words, Paul says, nothing will be hidden. I said last Sunday I said that there is a tape recorder around our necks. So God has to just press that button. God will say you press the play button and you listen to what you have said and you judge yourself on your own words. So nothing is hidden from God's sight. So Paul says everything will come. You know, He is telling to the religious people He's telling, you know, in Romans chapter 2 verse 1, he, be- he began the chapter like you, you religious people, you who think you are holy, you know, you will be judged and there will be no secret that will go unnoticed in God's sight. Interestingly, Paul says, has my gospel declares. In Romans chapter 2 16, he ends that, has my gospel declares declares. Now, what is Paul's gospel? As my gospel declares, Paul says God's judgment is fundamental to his declaration about God's son. If you are talking about Jesus Christ, we need to talk about judgment. Because without judgment, all that Jesus did on the cross is of less value. So for Paul, judgment is fundamental to To his declaration about God's son. Without judgment, salvation has no meaning. The extent to which we understand God has saved us. From what? From that eternal condemnation, from that fire. We will never be able to appreciate what Jesus did for us on the cross. We cannot appreciate who Christ is unless we have first acknowledged who we are. The closer we get to to the cross, the more I understand who I am. My real condition, my sinful condition. There's a constant battle that goes on within me, my fleshly condition. My desire to have importance, that self-centeredness, my needs to be met over others' need. So the it, you can break that only when you come to the foot of the cross. That's what Paul says. We need we will appreciate the cross when we understand our own condition. That's why we say you know. Poor Psalmist is saying, "You have lifted me up from the miry clay." We sing that song, but the extent to which how, dur- how dirty is that miry clay? We, are not in, uh, we don't have to feign ignorance because we understand our own mind, the kind of stinking thoughts that pass us through our mind. And we are relieved from that, delivered from that at the cross of what Jesus has done for us. Now, how do we apply this message? Yeah, we know there is a judgment. We know we will be judged according to our needs. So how do we apply this message on 24th February 2019? How do we do that? So we will take verse 7 and we will try to apply. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor and immortality, He will give eternal life. You know, true salvation is always manifested in a believer's life by doing good. If you are truly saved, it has to be manifested in doing good. There's no doubt. If, there is, if we saw the mango tree, if we have been truly saved, if our root is in Christ Jesus, then we should produce mango fruit without mangoes the tree is of no use so fruit we have to produce so the highest good we can do is to seek glory, honor and immortality so the first application I want to make is what is our goal what is our goal what we seek what is our goal as a Christian, as a saved person, what is my goal? My, the highest and the most wonderful desire of a believer is to seek God's glory. The highest and the most wonderful desire of a believer is to seek God's glory. I, I, I mentioned that we all have been wired in such a way to seek glory and honor. We enjoy that. But the only reason, the problem with that is with, you know, when it is misdirected we try to seek glory and honor from human beings from created things but not from creator God so when I try to seek God's glory my goal is right because that's what Paul says in First 1 Corinthians 10.31 so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do we do it all for the glory of God when you brush your teeth you can give glory to God. There's at least there are a few teeth that are that, that are still there. You can thank God. He has given you 32, they are intact. You can thank God. Every activity we can do by seeking His glory. You do you help others not because they will be indebted to you or they'll be grateful to you. But I am seeking God's glory because of what he has done. So that is our goal. Our goal in life is to seek God's glory. Even you do a menial job. You say, God, thank you for this opportunity. I am doing it for you. That's the way we seek God's glory. You know, to live to the glory of God is to manifest the very nature of God as a willing vehicle for His own divine working. Now, we are all God's people. So if you are God's people, if God wants to work in and through our life, first of all, we need to be willing. If we are willing and say, God, you manifest your glory the way you want, God will take you through difficult situations. Because that's where God's glory is manifested. The harder the situation, the greater is the glory. But are you willing to go through that? You can avoid all the difficulties, and you can short circuit that. But there is no short circuit. If you short circuit God's process, you will never reach the destination. You lose the blessing. The blessing is always going through the darkest valley. You don't seek the darkest valley. You seek the good shepherd. He will take you through the darkest valley. Then you will say surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. None of us will like to go through darkest valley. But if we seek God, we will know this good shepherd will take us through the darkest valley also. So that his glory is manifested. We want God to be glorified in and through our lives. Are we ready? It is not my family name, it is not my own name, it is not my church name, it is not any individual's name or anything. I want the name of Jesus to be glorified in and through me. That's my goal. That's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. You know, we know this verse by heart. Seek first his kingdom and his... What is the seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness? Seeking his glory. Lord, today give me an opportunity, I can glorify you. It will always involve discomfort. Without giving up yourself, you cannot glorify God. Jesus gave himself completely. His body was broken, his blood was shed, so that Father... God the Father could be glorified in and through Him and that's why Jesus was able to say, Father, I have finished the work you are given. Now glorify me. When we glorify God, God will glorify us. In everything we do, we need to seek God's glory. That is our goal. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We focus more On all these things will be given to you as well. But we need to focus on God's glory. Our goal. The second thing is our works. Our goal is what we seek. Our works is what we do. A true believer seeks honor. Again, not the worldly honor that most men long for. But the honor that comes from God. Most women long for. Sometimes married couples, they try to seek honor from each other. You know, a true believer seeks honor, again, not the worldly honor that most men long for, but the honor that comes from God. In everything we do, we should seek the honor of God. Jesus said in Matthew 25, 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You know, when we, when, we, when we are judged and when we pass on to that eternal life, quite often we think we'll go and just be doing nothing. We don't know. God is going to put us in charge of various places. God is going to make us in charge for various places depending on what we have done in this world. If we have been faithful in small things, well done, good and faithful servant, you have been faithful with a few things. That's why don't seek the things of this world. Seek the things of the kingdom because that's where ultimately we are going to live. And God will say, come and share your master's happiness. When When he has tested his faithfulness in few things, he will give us larger things. You know in Matthew 7:24, He said, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Obedience to the word of God is important. Our goal, our works, our end where are we going? Where are we going? Where we are going? We saw what we seek, what we do. Where, where we are going. A true believer seeks immortality. Jesus said in John chapter seventeen three. Now this is eternal life that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What is eternal life? We can have that eternal life, the, the experience of eternal life here in this life. We don't have to die to, ex, to enter into eternal life. Eternal life is nothing but the life of God in the soul of man. Eternal life is nothing but the life of God. God is eternal. And when we have the life of God in this soul right here, today we have eternal life. That's why Jesus said, now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That is eternal life. Eternal life. Are we seeking eternal life? If we want eternal life, We have to have Emmanuel, God with us. It's not enough we proclaim. We need to experience that. We need to experience God in our life. And if you are not able to experience, we need to hunger more and more. As the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth for you, O God. And God will definitely satisfy our hunger if we hunger after Him. He will satisfy that. A God is a promise-keeping God. If we seek Him, He is not going to hide Himself. He is going to reveal Himself to us. But we need to persist and persevere in seeking Him. That is where we get eternal life. Lord, God will put us through situations so that we seek His face all the time. And we experience that eternal life and God's presence is there. That's why Paul could say in Galatians 2.20, he could say, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ, this is not for something that will happen after we die. Right here, 24th February 2019, it can happen when we seek God's glory, honor and immortality. If we have God's spirit, we can say, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That is salvation. That is our salvation. Salvation is we die to ourselves and Christ starts living in us. And we have that eternal life when Christ lives in us. Faith in Jesus Christ should produce freedom from sin and a new desire to do what pleases him. Faith in Christ Jesus should produce freedom from sin and a new desire to do what pleases him. Sin is an addiction. You know, if you, if if you are familiar with AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill Wilson, he founded it based on the biblical principles. It's, it's thoroughly biblical but he didn't want to make it biblical because he wanted people all over, those who are addicted to come and to be released from that. So the first thing they say is the, the alcohol has taken control over my life. I have no power over my addiction. When they acknowledge that weakness, something happens in them and they are released from that addiction. So the sin is like that. We all are addicts. Sin is like that. But faith in Jesus Christ should produce freedom from sin. And our desire to please Him In everything we do, increasingly our desire should increase. More and more we should desire, God, I am seeking your glory. I am seeking your honor. Lord, let my life glorify you. It's not about what I will get. Nothing in this world, you know, I just posted a video on the, this one, WW Church Group, how that man gave millions and millions of dollars You know, to many universities. We can't take one rupee with us. But if we seek honor, God's honor, God's glory, we will be richly rewarded when the day of judgment comes. Are we preparing ourselves? See, God has told us that there is going to be a judgment. It's not going to come as a secret or as a surprise. The judgment is not that whether you'll go to hell or heaven. We are all children of God. We believe in Jesus Christ. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we will enter heaven. Let's not have any doubt about it. But the judgment is, to what extent we will be rewarded. The reward will come based on our good works. And to produce that good work, we need to have an intimate relationship with Jesus. That root should become deeper and stronger. Our strength should come from Jesus. Life in Christ will always produce good fruits. That's what John 15, chapter 15 says. Life in Jesus Christ will always produce good fruit. People will know you by your fruit. And they will honor God the Father because of your fruits. Shall we look to the Lord and say, Lord, let me produce fruits in and through my life.